Welcome to this APTA podcast. Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty. I want to welcome listeners to this latest PTJ podcast. This is Alan Jetty, Editor-in-Chief of PTJ. And today, I'm very pleased to have as my guest, Dr. Melissa Tobin, who is Professor in the Department of Physical Therapy at Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Dr. Tobin, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Jetty. I'm very happy to be here. Well, I look forward to our conversation. Dr. Tobin was kind enough to write an editorial after we published a couple of articles in PTJ on competency-based education. And so she wrote an editorial entitled Competency-Based Education, or CBE, as it's referred to, and a, a framework for physical therapist education across the continuum. So I really enjoyed your editorial, and I enjoyed the articles that um, talked a great deal about uh, CBE and the work that's being done. Let me start by saying, first of all, we know that physical therapy curricula has largely followed the time-based model of professional education. That's the model I went through when I went through uh, PT school. CBE, in contrast, is quite a different model, and individuals who are going through CBE are assessed on an evidence-based, consensus-driven set of learner performance outcomes that are prescribed. And progress along the continuum is made when competence is demonstrated. So it's quite different than a time-based approach. Are there examples of PT education programs in the United States or elsewhere where CBE is the predominant framework. It's not one that I'm familiar with, so I'm really interested to know, is there much CBE going on in our field? Yes, and you know, I also went through a time-based model. I teach in a time-based model, so I think most of us are comfortable with that time-based model, considering that we feel you know, obligated, obligated to make sure that our students are, you know, achieving a set of standards for providing quality and safe care as professionals, right? But things are different today. And so there really is this, um, this need to move forward in transitioning our curriculum to meet the needs of this changing landscape of healthcare and even the changing landscape within education itself. So there are some buzzwords and elements of CBE um, emerging in PT education, and and that's really been gaining momentum over the last several years. And you can see these elements embedded in some programs at varying degrees. So, for example, some programs offer a um, somewhat individualized path of study within the program by offering students electives or offering experiential learning opportunities based on student interest. 
Um, some programs emphasize a student-centered community of learning. Some implement strategies and activities aimed to develop a core set of professional values and behaviors deemed essential for professional practice. And some programs integrate a focus on global and community health. And all of these elements aim to meet societal health needs in today's changing healthcare environment. But as a whole, PT education is not there yet in terms of truly implementing a CBE framework. True CBE requires visionary leaders in PT education and real curricular change, not just add-ons. It requires a real shift in how we think about learning, learner outcomes, and learning assessment. It's a philosophy of education that drives the design of our curriculum. Gail Jensen talked about this in her Poly Sarasoli lecture at CSM 2022. CBE is about preparing an expert adaptive learner who has the ability to identify gaps in learning and engage in learning through planning, learning, assessing, and adjusting. It's about all the buzzwords we're hearing and talking about in education, workplace learning, situated learning, communities of practice, and the importance of developing self-determination in our students. I agree that a model or exemplar would be important to lead the way for other programs to voluntarily make a change or transition to CBE. So if I had to pick one program as an example, it would be the WashU program under the leadership of Stephen Ambler. WashU is leading the way by truly transforming the curriculum. The vision, which was developed by the program faculty, emphasizes a focus outward towards society and on the science of learning. Administrative support facilitated the change process through ongoing faculty development and financial support for an all-in team-oriented culture. The WashU program utilizes systems approach and overlapping teams to build, integrate, and thread competency-based learning and learner outcomes throughout the curriculum using learning science principles. Dr. Okay. Am- Dr. Ambler described that in an article in 2020 as well. It's great to know that there are there is at least one example, because clearly from your answer, it's not the predominant model in, in physical therapist education today. Yes, but you know what? We are also seeing movement towards CBE and residency education. Um, And I think the shift within residency education may be um, easier than a shift in entry-level education. And I talked about this movement towards CBE in my editorial when I highlighted Harrington et al.'s article. Um, If you remember, that article talks about a study to validate competency-based assessment in residency programs. In, in your editorial and in the Timmerberg article, you point out, as does Timmerberg, that CBE is not new. It's been around in medical education for about 50 years, and it's been written about in PT education for about 40 years. Um, what do we know about the extent to which CBE is currently underway in other health professions outside of PT, such as medicine. Has it caught hold out there? So I, you know, I spent some time looking at that. And if you go to the AMA website and click on the education tab, the move to CBE is hard to miss. I mean, there is a clear statement that supports a shift away from traditional medical education at all levels. So undergraduate, 
graduate and continuing education. Um, these, you know, medical schools are incorporating milestones and entrustable professional activities into the curriculum to create flexible competency-based pathways toward developing physicians who are expert learners, engaged in continuous learning, self-assessment, planning, and improvement. Um, and then interestingly, I found out that medicine has a consortium of member schools that developed and implement CBME or competency-based medical education. The consortium is called the Accelerating Change in Medical Education Consortium. So, and to answer your question, I'm not really sure of the exact number of medical education programs that implement competency-based education, but there's definitely a clear commitment and support. Um, what, from what I could find, um, one of the first CBE programs was at Oregon Health and Science University School of Medicine, and that curriculum began in 2014, and it was supported by an AMA-initiated grant. Um, and in this program, students progress through curriculum based on achievement of competency rather than a curriculum based on time. And the Josiah Macy Foundation also provided support to an education in pediatrics across the continuum program to explore the feasibility of moving from a traditional model to competency advancement across the continuum in pediatric medical education. Um, so that's what I found in, in looking into this a little bit more. And there's definitely literature of other health professions moving towards CBE, such as pharmacy, nursing, and dentistry. Yeah, it's very interesting. They clearly have made more progress than we have, at least to date. You know, as, as I read your editorial and the other articles on CBE in PTJ, and as I looked at some of the other literature, a case is made that um, outcomes should be improved if we move towards CBE, particularly in terms of performance of the clinician, uh, reduced variation in practice. That's, that's a really common outcome that is discussed and better outcome for patients. What do we know uh, from the actual evidence? Is there much evidence that CBE is in fact a, um, a, a better approach? I know that the belief is there. That's quite clear in the, in the writing. But what about the evidence? Yes, I agree. We need, well, the bottom line is we need more evidence. I feel that we are moving in this direction. And in fact, there is a research agenda that outlines specific areas and provides research questions to address CBE outcomes through scholarship. Um, and that research agenda is currently under review for publication in JOPTE. So I think having that research agenda will help to move us forward in this area of, you know, supporting and identifying outcomes. If, if I was a director of an academic uh, DPT program, and I was reading this literature and talking to you about CBE, one of my first questions would be what's it gonna cost my program to move in this direction? What am I taking on? Do we know much about that? Yeah, so there are two issues related to costs, right? There's the cost to students and the cost to the institution. So theoretically, CBE can shorten time that a student is in a program and therefore shorten the financial burden of education 
on the student. But if you think about it, this can also you know, be the opposite. If there's a student who takes longer to achieve the competencies, then they could incur unexpected additional student debt. And if you can't really plan for how long your program is going to take or how long it will or how much it will cost, then that's going to cost cause issues with, you know, getting financial aid or planning for educational expenses. So there's that piece of it. Um, and from what I understand in the medical education literature, there is a higher cost up front to institutions associated with CBE because of the need for training and development of the faculty, right? There's a big investment of that. And then also cost related to human resources or faculty time. But what I'm reading in the literature is that after several years, it becomes more cost effective. So I don't really have an exact answer for you on that in terms of the cost, because there's just not a lot out there, especially in PT at this point. But um, theoretically, the cost should decrease over time. Now, again, if I was a director of a DPT program, and I, I'm thinking about implementing CVE, it's quite clear that one would need to have standardized performance outcomes against which to compare student competency. Um, is there uh, a place to go to get those outcomes if I wanted to implement CBE, or is that something that still needs to be developed by the profession? So ELP was charged with developing a long-term strategic plan for education, and among other sources, the partnership members considered recommendations by the Excellence in Physical Therapy Task Force, specifically to identify and adopt a concise set of outcome competencies for physical therapist graduates. Also, the ACAP Education Research Task Force called for development of a robust longitudinal set of professional competencies and establishment of a research priority to build a body of work in this area. And since then, we've seen a number of publications and presentations on this topic. But in the webinar, Timmerberg and Chesbro reported on the work that came out of ELP's outcome strategy meeting. And that meeting aimed to identify a possible competency framework to meet the needs of the profession and also to define outcomes of learners entering into practice that are essential to develop PTs to meet societal needs. The meeting participants consisted of a broad range of PT stakeholders, including deans, program directors, directors of clinical education, academic faculty, clinical faculty, site coordinators of clinical education, employers, PTA education, and more. And there were several rounds of discussion, and those discussions resulted in consensus that development of a combined framework of entrustable professional activities or EPAs and domains of competence or docs would be valuable. EPAs are observable and measurable clinical activities that represent the day-to-day -day work of a professional that require proficiency in multiple competencies. These professional practice activities can be entrusted to a sufficiently competent learner or professional. EPAs offer a framework for competency-based assessment. Domains of competence or docs, on the other hand, help define outcomes to help delineate where a student may have a challenge and require some remediation to achieve those competencies. So and work is underway in developing EPAs and other performance uh, outcomes 
but they're not available today. Is that fair to say? Right. So the group, so ultimately the group developed a list of EPAs representing what entering physical therapists should be able to do. And there was a plan set in motion for continued panel discussions, Delphi studies and dissemination. I actually came across a 2021 article published in physiotherapy that describes development of EPAs for a physiotherapy program in Singapore. So EPAs are being developed, but more research is needed to validate their use as an assessment framework before EPAs can be more widely accepted and used across PT education programs. Okay. Let's talk just briefly about the clinical education side. Uh, I've focused so far my questions on the the more um, academic side. So I'm, I'm a, a clinic director. What, what's the, the incentive for me to uh, buy into CBE? Uh, what's the upside from the clinic uh, director's perspective? So I think the upside is that we are developing clinicians who will be better able to adapt to and meet societal's needs and respond to the call for, you know, accountability and cost effectiveness. Um, Ultimately, right? That's the goal. And that's the incentive. Um, You know, the flip side, though, is that I can see the resistance of clinical faculty and employers in embracing CBE, right? If you think about, you know, is it really cost effective? We don't have that research. We don't have that evidence right now. Also, just thinking about the time that it will take to train clinical faculty and to really get the administration to buy into this. So, you know, there is incentive, but at the same time, I think there's some resistance related to what we don't know about um, the implementation of CBE and physical therapy. Well, and we do know that people have been working on CBE in physical therapy for at least 40 years. And so the the adoption has been very slow. What can we learn from our experience over the past 40 years that will help us not to be talking about this in 40 years from now? Right. So I think that we just don't have the luxury to continue to have these discussions for another 50 years, right? We are feeling the pressure for an overhaul in PT education. And that pressure stems from the demands for accountability, for quality care, for cost containment, for equity. And also there's this rapid growth of knowledge and technology that's outpacing education. So if PT is going to meet the needs of today's society, And the next generation of students and clinicians, we can't afford to plot along for another 50 years. So, and and honestly, making little changes here and there, like we've been doing for the past 50 years, like adding a course on population health or offering electives to individualize the student's program of study, that's not moving us forward. Um, But I do tend to be optimistic. I feel like we have educational leaders and scholars and researchers in our profession that can lead us in the right direction. But we need to invest, right? We need to invest in educational research. Educational research is just as valuable and essential for the profession's growth and survival as clinical research. So we could do this by supporting programs like Gamer, 
right, which is grantsmanship and mentorship and educational research, or by sponsoring grant programs for education, innovation, and research in line with the research agenda for competency-based education in in PT. And like I said before, there is a research agenda for CBE, and it should be published hopefully very soon in JOPTI. Well, Dr. Tobin, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us about CBE and for writing the editorial. And I want to recommend to our listeners that you take a look at not only the editorial, but the articles in PTJ that are focused on CBE. I I think you'll find it really interesting and it's an incredibly important topic, as you have pointed out. So thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. You can find more APTA podcasts like this one on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, or by visiting apta.org slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.